October 20th, 2001, Madison Square Garden. The stage is dark, except for a spotlight shining on a British man sitting down in front of a Suzuki Omnicord singing a cover of a Simon and Garfunkel classic. This is how the concert for New York started, a benefit concert for New York City, held in honor of the victims and families of those who were lost in the September 11th attacks. It may seem odd for a British man to open the show for what should be an overwhelmingly American concert, but it makes a little more sense when that British man is longtime New York resident David Bowie, and that the concert for New York was put together by a longtime British man, Paul McCartney. So, British man in America David Bowie opened the show with a song that would not exist if not for American man Paul Simon spending time in Great Britain. In 1964, Simon was in London and in love with a local, Kathy Chitty, a woman who was working as a ticket taker at the time. A call from Tom Wilson, the American record producer working on the debut Simon and Garfunkel studio album, Wednesday morning, 3 a.m., interrupted Simon's romantic reverie. He was asked to return stateside to finalize mixes and artwork for the album. Simon didn't want to leave Chitty behind, and so instead, he simply brought her along for a great American road trip. The two drove along the country for five days, and this spontaneous trip served as the groundwork for what Rolling Stone called Simon and Garfunkel's fourth greatest song in 2014. Quote, it captured America's sense of restlessness and confusion during the year that saw the assassination of Martin Luther King Jr. and Robert F. Kennedy, as well as the escalation of the war in Vietnam, wrote Douglas R. Gilbert for Rolling Stone. Though the trip was taken in 1964, the song wouldn't get written until 1966, according to former radio disc jockey Bob Dyer, who was working in Saginaw, Michigan at the time. Dyer had booked the folk duo for a YMCA-hosted concert series, YA Go-Go. Quote, I asked Paul Simon if they were still charging the $1,250 we paid them to play, and he said they were getting about four times that much then. Then I asked him why he hadn't pulled out, and he said he had to see what a city named Saginaw looked like. Apparently he liked it. He wrote that song while he was here, including that line about taking four days to hitchhike from Saginaw, said Dyer. Written in 1966, the song wasn't recorded and released until 1968, where it appeared on their fourth studio album, Bookends. The song might have remained nothing more than an album deep cut, if not for its selection as the B-side for the live version of For Emily, Whenever I May Find Her, a single released in 1972 to promote Simon and Garfunkel's greatest hits. The B-side managed to climb its way up the charts so quickly that eventually they switched it to the A-side. From then on, the song has appeared in American culture every now and then, featuring in Cameron Crowe's 2000 film Almost Famous, a series of American Express ads, and even being used in Bernie Sanders' 26th presidential campaign, with express permission from both Simon and Garfunkel. And of course, the 2001 concert for New York, where David Bowie opens with a song named after the country. That's right, we're talking Simon and Garfunkel's America on Bowie Me. So we bought a pack of cigarettes, and this is pies, and walked off to look for America. That's right, it's Bowie Me, the only podcast that compares famous songs related to David Bowie to their many cover versions to find out which one is a spy. I'm your host as always, The Snake, joined by my empty and aching co-host. Alex Mildenberger. Alex Mildenberger. Um, have you figured out why you're empty and aching yet? I don't know why. Damn. It's tough out there. <laughs> um, not empty, but maybe aching, Alex. You've been spending some late nights. Yeah. Uh, how you doing? How you doing, dog? I'm doing good. A little, a little tired. I definitely have some sleep to catch up on. But I'll make it through this episode. You'll make it through this episode. Yeah. It's, it's the year 2024, as we all know. Yeah. Things have been been wild and crazy out there. It's been a bumpy ride. Uh, but we made it. Is this it. coming out on like the, the second? No, this is coming out on the 9th. Oh, okay. We've already recorded the second, Alex. 
Oh. That's, uh, I'm afraid Oh, right. Of yeah. I don't know what I thought. Okay. Never mind. Sorry. It's okay. You're a little out of it. A little out of it. Because um, I was like, oh, we're doing the year end one later. Maybe this is too yeah, much inside yeah, yeah, baseball. Yeah. But I was like, yeah, that's no. going to be the last one of the year, the first one the next year. Trust me. And then I realized we too. weren't doing that one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Okay. All right. So that's, that's Maybe I'll make it through this episode. <laughs> You're get, we're gonna fucking get through this one way or another, Alex. We got we got holes to fill. Yeah, um, so <laughs> to holes speak. to fill. Uh, Alex. Yeah, we're talking about Simon and Garfunkel we are. Ag- again, again, and we're talking about bookends again. Again, yes, yeah. Um, bookends is a great album. I love it I so much. I think I just gotta admit that it's a great fucking album. Yeah, I mean, the first I ever heard of it was actually in relation to David Bowie as well, because. Oh, really? um, there's like an anecdote in that Mark Spitz book about mm. how like bookends came out and inspired Bowie and what was his friend? His friend who punched him and then they made a folk music duo oh, inspired fuck. by Simon and Garfunkel. And that's like what led to supposedly Space Oddity, you that know, makes a lot which was originally a duet, but they recorded it without the that's other George part. Underwood is the other guy. Yeah. So... I mean, there is quite a Bowie connection, even beyond just the fact that he covered it live. Naturally, and then, like, why would he cover an artist he doesn't right feel exactly much about? But yeah, I, I obviously I'd read that fact, completely forgot it. That yeah, he, I don't he tried know. Tried to do a folk it, duo based. That one just on really this. stuck with me, and then I I bought the CD soon afterwards. And yeah, yeah it's really good. And that's why I know this album is because you bought the CD. I yeah. was mostly familiar with Simon and Garfunkel's greatest hits. Yeah, which I was for a long time as well. And then it was it's like a bookends Bridge Over Troubled Water double pack. It's two two CDs in one. It's great. Oh yeah. Anyway, classics. Yeah. Great stuff. Great stuff. This song is phenomenal. I really really like this song. It's, it's just yeah. It's it's got it's got the vibes, man. <laughs> it's yeah, the kids talk about vibes these days. This song is vibes. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's good vibes. It's unreal. Even hearing some artists talk about it, we'll talk about, before we get into the lyrics, a quote from one of the guys from America, the band, um, <laughs> talk, talking about the, the just the, the incredible songwriting going on here, because it's just, it's like, it's good. Yeah. I might as well just do that quote like, right now. Here, yeah, man. lay it on me. I will lay it on you. Um, so, there are no rhymes in this song. And Jerry Beckley of America uh, talks about that here in a quote. He says, the entire song is prose. There's not one line that rhymes, and I will tell some of the best songwriters you've ever met that particular element. You can see them stop and go through it in their head. We're <laughs> oblivious to that being an ingredient because we're so involved in the story. You're not sitting there going, that didn't rhyme. Wait a second. It's not an issue. That's the quote. Yeah, that's really impressive. I mean, and it really, it just like paints this picture and it, it just like knows exactly what to say and how much information to give mm-hmm. to imply this or that. And like, there's just so much going on there. Yeah, like the storytelling is perfect and it's enhanced by the instruments, like even things like them hitting the bus where things kind of like relax and become a little jovial. Like the music picks up on that. We get this feeling of movement and this feeling of like, joy and then it quiets down when the moon rises it's just like every part of this song yeah is in my like in my opinion perfect so it's crazy to me that it's like the fourth greatest simon and garfunkel yeah. song according to rolling stone well I, uh, do you know what the other ones are i could have looked at the uh, rest okay. of that article i yeah, can pull it I up again here. That. um 
I guess while you're doing that, I will compare it to Mrs. Robinson, which while also a good song, uh, definitely doesn't feel like it has necessarily that same level of thought. It was a little more spontaneous in, in some ways, right? Like mm-hmm. they, the story there is like he kind of had a guitar part he was working on and then like they were playing along with some of the like, while, while this movie was getting made, uh, The Graduate, and then sort of like fitted into this like chase sequence. Yeah. Um, which is, I mean, there's still the songwriting, you know, aspect of it, but it was a, a little a little looser. Yeah, and they were also under so much pressure from the director. Right. Because he knocked out Punky's Dilemma yeah. and another song. I can't remember which one off the album, off Bookends. Yeah. Form. And he was like, no, I don't fucking want these. <laughs> no, no, no. And then, yeah, eventually it became um, Mrs. Robinson, obviously. But, uh, mm-hmm. yeah really interesting that like this feels so like tight and like purposeful yeah it's uh and especially i've made over such a length of time this this version starts as a seed in 1964 when their first album is coming yeah i guess it's the like i mean it feels simple in some ways but also like complex but it just takes time to put that sort of thing together yeah it's uh, it's remarkable. So number four is America. It's a reader's poll, so it's not as if Rolling Stone just decided this at random. Oh, okay. It's people voted. Um, number three is Bridge Over Troubled Water. Okay. Okay, I like that song. It's yeah. not, it's not my favorite by any means. Okay. Um, number two is The Boxer. That's a good one. That's a good one. I it's like that good, one. It's got a good melody. Okay, there's there's a lot of good Simon and Garfunkel. There's a lot of good Simon and Garfunkel songs. My favorite part of the boxer though is where he just doesn't decide to be like, yeah, sometimes I was buying sex. You're like, oh. <laughs> oh, okay, <laughs> okay. He's like, I was trying to find a job, but the only people who were talking to me were prostitutes. So hey, I can't. I feel like there was a song I listened to this year, and I was like, oh, they just did the boxer again. <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember what it was now though. Anyway. I would like to know what that song is. Yeah, if you remember, I might, I might have to know. listen through some of my some songs. And number one is an obvious pick. It's The Sound of Silence. Yeah, okay, fair enough. Fair enough. A song that... Did we cover Sound of Silence? No, we haven't. We haven't yet. We've We've talked talked about about it. We've talked about it. It's a big one. Yeah. We've covered, I think, like four Simon and Garfunkel songs now. Not one of them is uh, Sound of Silence. We've done this one. We did Hazy Shade of Winter. Hazy Shade of Winter. Robinson. Okay, maybe I lied. Maybe just three. three. Well, still, that's... Yeah, you know, that's quite a few. That's significant. Um, yeah, dog, great song, love it to pieces. Let's talk about these lyrics though, because we yeah. can spend all day just, just talking yeah. Because like I, I don't know how much I can say generally about it. Because we, yeah, let's get into detail. I guess the other thing I want to say oh. is just while researching this, how funny it is to talk about Simon and Garfunkel as a group, and it's it's like a lot of Simon and <laughs> like, like yeah, just, just like a he's kiss there, and, and obviously like you go into like Bridge Over Troubled Water, and that's I don't really know how the songwriting played out there, but like that's more Art Garfunkel singing, okay, yeah, um, and and maybe that was part of the tension in the group, but yeah, when we talk about them, it's a lot of like, and then Paul Simon did this, and then Paul Simon did that, you know, yeah, like he wrote in my the head, song I'm always and, like. I think our Garfunkel plays bass, and then like every track we talk about, it's like no, they have the Wrecking Crew in playing bass. Like, oh yeah, uh, yeah. He's just he's credited with harmonies and production credits on this. Okay, which maybe our Garfunkel's a fucking like mad producer. I don't know, but yeah, I don't know exactly what the dynamic was, but obviously, like knowing like the future of both of them, Paul Simon kind of grew into i think more of a solo artist yeah uh 
But I don't really well, know Garfunkel stuff. I don't really, but I, I like I know Garfunkel guested on an episode of Flight of the Concords. That's like his yes. biggest credit to me post Which Simon and Garfunkel. Was pretty cool, but mostly just because it was absurd. But yeah, yeah. Um, I would love to be the Art Garfunkel in a Simon and Garfunkel relationship. I fucking come in there, you know, clock in, get accolades, <laughs> clock out, baby. <laughs> yeah, be a be. Not the first name, but like one of the two names on some really great songs. Exactly. You have literally members of the Wrecking Crew on this, and they yeah. don't get name credit. You get Garfunkel. <laughs> but he sings well. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna yeah. talk on him too much here. Let's talk about these lyrics. Let us be lovers. We'll marry our fortunes together. I've got some real estate here in my bag. Um. So we bought a pack of cigarettes and Mrs. Wagner pies and walked off. To look for America. To look for America. What a way to start it. Like, with this conversation, that's like yes. a little, like, they're joking around. You can tell, like, you, you get an idea of this dynamic, you mm-hmm. know, between them. So, like, you start with this connection, but also introduces really the sort of their, like, social class and everything yes. and like part of their motivation you know like there's a lot going on in these lines i it's yeah it's brilliant like it lets us know who these people are yeah what they're doing yeah their social class it's it's very effective storytelling and like yeah and like they're they're clearly like they've got some chemistry right like he's saying mm-hmm. the two lines but it's like oh they're just like joking around they got this nice back and forth between like, yeah it's so cheeky yeah We'll marry our fortunes together. I've got some real estate here in my, in my bag. Yeah. Those two lines together let you know they ain't got a lot. And yeah. So obviously their their loving relationship is not based on these these quote unquote fortunes. Yeah. And then I mean, and then they buy cigarettes and like pie, like yeah, American pie, Amer- American pie. I mean, it doesn't get much more American than being like, well, we're looking for the dream here. Look, we yeah. got pie and cigarettes with us. It's like yeah, yeah. <laughs> and like. <laughs> This comes up in, it comes up a few times on bookends in particular that I know. And like Paul Simon seems to like to work in like brand names. Uh, mm-hmm. Punky's Dilemma is the big example of like your Kellogg's cornflakes and stuff. Oh, yeah. Um, but that's kind of, yeah. You get that sort of like very like brand conscious kind of like 1950s Americana. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense. But it's also a pie, which is also kind of a symbol of the like kitchen and stuff i don't know yeah it's like so symbol it's, of the kitchen it's a symbol of america yeah and that's yeah, true Mrs. wagner is like is new jersey specific so a lot oh, of okay. what some people point out is that he really talks about not your this song isn't about new york city it's not about los angeles it's not about chicago right the the, the places we name check are a new jersey pie shop yeah and uh the saginaw michigan saginaw michigan yeah, it's interesting. So yeah, you get a little bit more broad, even though they're really like they're staying on the East Coast for the most part. Yeah. But, um Yeah, Mrs. Wagner Pies. Uh I was just remembering um mm-hmm. on the road where there's like one of the trips he takes, he just like eats I think nothing but apple pie at like diners the entire way. Because he like drives I don't remember where he's going to, but you know, from right. New York or whatever to across the country yeah that's uh and that's yeah there's a bit of like a the road vibe on the road <laughs> not the road but two, two very different books yeah <laughs> but there is a bit of an on the road vibe to this just of course with it being a great american road trip yeah and this sort of like non-fortunate character right they're yeah. not rich they're just traveling from place to place looking for america now obviously yeah. we gotta take that line apart 
Yeah. They're in America. They found it. We, it's right there. Just look around. It's right, it's right there. Just look around. But it's about the American dream, or it's about finding yeah. the, the idealized America where they can, you know, be fortunate. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And there is, like, maybe an idea that comes up in verse two that you can maybe only see the American dream in hindsight. Depends on how we kind of interpret stuff in this next verse, but let's get okay. there. I think yeah. we've, we've got verse one. Um, Kathy, I said, as we boarded a Greyhound in Pittsburgh, Michigan seems like a dream to me now. It took me four days to hitchhike from Saginaw. I've gone to look for America. So we really just talk about where they were before here or where he was before. This is where things get a little confusing. Were right. they there together? Because he says it took me four days. Right. So he was in Michigan and they're now in Pittsburgh together. Mm-hmm. And there's that Saginaw line. Yes. It's kind of, I don't know, just the way, the way it all sounds, you know. Yeah, it, like this Americana vibe, like there, there couldn't have been a better city to pick than Saginaw. Yeah. Right? It's, it sounds brilliant. And it doesn't rhyme. It doesn't rhyme. It doesn't rhyme. And so what we know, like from the, the, what, the actual trip and where he traveled experience, we know he, right. in, in 1966, he went to Saginaw and had to experience it because he wanted to see what a town like Saginaw was like. Right. And then in this line, he speaks about Michigan seeming like a dream. Is that to say, like, it was just unreal the time he spent there? It was such a strange place? Or is this this idea of, like, America maybe only exists in hindsight? Now that he's looking back on America, he's like, well, maybe it was it's become, Michigan, like, this idealized. Sort of, this, yeah, exactly. This, this dreamlike place. I feel like, yeah, it's just maybe, yeah, that and, like, kind of commenting on the nature of, like, memory, you know, mm. of, like, especially in a situation where you're, not like always following a regular schedule and you're experiencing a lot of different things and then you look back and it's like wow i can't believe i did that and that and that you know and it's like absolutely it, it all feels he's, unreal because he does kind of explain why it feels like a dream he's like i was hitchhiking for four fucking days yeah <laughs> that's insane yeah which is yeah so yeah it could simply be yeah a, a comment on the nature of travel and of you know, doing things in life. Like it's when things come at you at a fast pace, it can seem unreal. Yeah. But I do like the idea of like, that's America is your idealized past kind of. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Once you clean up your memories and you're like, wow, fuck Michigan was crazy. Yeah. Um, Saginaw, but still, what a town. What a town. Still, I'm, I'm looking for America. Right. Um, the other thing we do in this verse, I guess, is introduce the bus where a lot of the action is going to take place from here on. Right. And maintaining that uh, conversational vibe, because Kathy, I said. I mean, yeah. I like that. Like, that's a whole line. Is this like, <laughs> Kathy, comma, I said, you know, like. Yeah, it's, it's he's very, writing like, formal a kind story. Of, yeah. Like, story writing of, like, this person said this, but, like, uh, I mean, still sounds very poetic. Yeah, and it's, like. It's he's not trying to like be economic with his words. Like Kathy, I said, is almost a huge waste of space. <laughs> we we probably knew you were talking to Kathy. Yeah. But telling us that gives us a different sense of the pacing. It, yeah, exactly. It sets the pace, I think, more than anything. Yeah. Um, it just it it feels especially since now they're on a bus and mm -hmm. there's nothing to do but wait around, right? Yes, we get this sense of like having a space to relax, yeah. and it is relaxing in motion, mm -hmm. which is is interesting. Yeah. So, uh, but that's that yeah. takes us. Yeah. So yeah, doc. So yeah. So, yeah. Uh, <laughs> verse three, though, we continue on laughing on the bus, playing games with the faces. She said, "The man in the gabardine suit 
was a spy. I said, be careful. His bow tie is really a camera. Yeah. How charming. I, it is. I know. It, like, it, it is on definitely just like a charming <laughs> little exchange between the two, right? They're just both on the bus and they're passing the time with each other. Which is. Yeah. Yeah. It's very And cute. that's something very hard to. Do you ever have like a fun moment with somebody and then you later try to explain it to somebody else? To, I like, know. I don't fucking get like, it. That's really dumb. And you're like, I know. That's and why I it was so awesome. That's why it's great. You got to understand the context. And Paul Simon manages to give us this context where the line, you know, I said, be careful, his bow tie is really camera. Yeah. Comes off as charming and humorous and not just him being like, told a really good joke once, but you got to understand <laughs> yeah. the context. Like, <laughs> yeah. And like, I mean, there's some maybe Cold War-y undertones. I don't necessarily think it was going for that, but it is kind of like, it would have happened at the right time that there would have been, a li- like, that would have been in the public consciousness. Right, of, like, a Soviet spy. The Soviet spies around. So, I, I think that's mostly what it is. It's not like trying to say anything about the Cold War or anything. Yeah, but it does speak to the kind of jokes you might be making in that era. You could make that joke. I think the joke still lands today. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's, but yeah, it definitely has a, a stronger context maybe in that Cold War setting. Yeah. Plus, I mean, you're looking at, I don't really know what Gabardine is. Is it, I think it's a fabric. Yes, it is. Um, it is a uh, durable, a twill worsted wool. Yeah. Which like would make someone look like an office person who's maybe <laughs> got like this spy look to them. Um, yeah, maybe just like a real stiff kind of yeah businessman yeah. look where you're like, this guy is trying a little too hard to blend in. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I would wonder if it would be a little out of place on a Greyhound? I don't know. Maybe, yeah, because it's maybe not that class again we're playing with this yeah. idea. I know class. people used to dress up more, but... Oh, yeah, like on planes and stuff, yeah, too. Yeah, but sure. I don't know what, what it'd be like on a Greyhound, so... Yeah. Especially there's only one guy in a gabardine suit, so he's a little out of yeah. place. Yeah, he's a little out of place. Um, So they're playing games with Rod Stewart, is that right? Playing games with the faces? Yeah, and uh, yeah, okay. <laughs> Ron- Ronnie Wood and Ronnie the rest Wood, of the yeah, band, the, too. I don't know, but I should. The whole gang's there. The whole gang's um, there. No, playing games with the faces, they're looking yeah. at people's faces and they're making up stories. That, that relates to the next line where they're talking about the man in the gabardine suit. Yeah. Uh, and they're laughing on the bus. They're having a good time. Yeah. And this is, I believe this is when the song is where the sax comes in. Um, in and yes, around this, maybe so. just before it. Yeah. Yeah. So I think yeah, really carries yeah, verse this three. verse. Yeah. Um, but let's move on to verse four. We're not talking about instrumentation yet. Nope. Toss me a cigarette. I think there's one in my raincoat. We smoked the last one an hour ago. So I looked at the scenery. She read her magazine and the moon rose over an open field. Yeah. What? What a, what's a, that's some imagery, man. I don't oh, know. Oh, yeah. I mean, it continues with this, like, really casual thing. It's like, hey, can I have another cigarette? Like, oh, we don't have one. Like, oh, okay. Yeah, just that, like, <laughs> kind of, like, loss of time and yeah. that uh, kind of dreaminess quality that runs through. It's like, hey, let me grab another cigarette. We smoked the last one an hour ago. Oh. Yeah. Oh, okay. Like, there's nothing we can do about that, right? We <laughs> yeah, just, we're, like, we're kind of, we don't have control here. We're on a bus. We can't mm-hmm. go get more. We're just sitting and waiting. Yeah, and uh, it also shows kind of the other side because there, there's conversation in this a little bit, but like compared to verse three where it's very active and you know they're playing games and they're laughing, this is now the quiet time where they're just waiting around because you've got to have that as well because you can't be you know turned on all the time. Exactly. So you get and it still feels like quite. I don't feel like they're cold to each other here or anything. No. It's just that kind of wind down. And then it's uh, kind of punctuated by the moon rising, this sort of time for self-reflection, which comes into verse five. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that's verse four, uh, verse five. 
Kathy, I'm lost, I said, though I knew she was sleeping. I'm empty and aching, and I don't know why. Counting the cars on the New Jersey Turnpike, they've all come to look for America. All come to look for America. All come to look for America. Oh, what a verse. What a verse. Yeah, I just love that line where he says that, and then, though I knew she was sleeping, because it's like, oh my gosh. He's got, he can't share, he feels like he can't share this with her because it's too personal, you know? It's like, oh. Mm -hmm. Oh, it's communication issues, but also, like, uh, you should get this, this insight, you know, into this character. And it's so simple. That's all he says is, Kathy, I'm lost. Yeah. You know, and he doesn't, but he doesn't say it to her. But he no, kind of yeah, does. This, like, he wants to. He wants he to, so he says it to her when she's sleeping. So, yeah. it, so that is, there's, like, safety in that. I guess he also says, I'm empty and aching, and I don't know why. Because he's um, searching, he's searching yeah. for something, you know? He's searching for America, ostensibly, but, like, who knows what, you know? Maybe that's not possible, or maybe that's not what he wants. You know, he's, yeah, he's searching. That's that's his uh, but whole thing. searching. He doesn't. I get like ultimately, I don't think he knows what America is. Yeah, I guess it's a really vague concept, and we've said like the American dream, but like that's maybe an end goal. But like, how do you get there? Do you travel around the country? Like, is it a place? Yeah, is, is, it, it, a, is it a place? Is it a thing? Yeah, is it, like, is it a lifestyle? What is it? Yeah. Why can't anybody find it? Because then we open up, we expand from this this couple that we've been looking at, and we go to the cars on the New Jersey Turnpike again. Not a real like super American monument. It's not, uh, you know, right. It's just so. like a freeway. Yeah. In New Jersey. <laughs> in New Jersey, and they've all come to look for America. They've yeah. all come. Everybody is looking for it here. Yeah. It's it's such a I just yeah the expansion there of just just like it just feels like the sudden zoom out like you're on the mm-hmm. bus with them very very close very intimate and like then you start looking at the window and then suddenly it's like you zoom out and now everyone on this road is in the same boat. And, like, everyone is looking for the same thing, but no one knows, like, what it is or how to get it. Yeah. And it's, yeah, it's just a very interesting moment. It's very interesting. And it's, like, beautiful that there's all these, like, these people out there moving. And it's also, like, kind of sad that they don't know what they're looking for. But there's something about being united in that. It's, like, there's, it's very good. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. There's a lot... There's a lot going on in this song, and it's it's very well put together. Yeah, very well put together, and that's just the lyrics. Um, it's the music on this is incredible, and we're gonna talk about that now. Mm-hmm. Um, so we open with fucking just this killer hum. Yeah, well, I mean, there's a little bit of residual synth from the previous song on the album that saved the that's life right, of my saved child. the life of my child it's not that important but you kind of get that crossfade at the start yes we are of course talking about the album version um oh that's right the, there, I guess the single, single version. version uh why we didn't talk about the single version it didn't feel like it yeah i like the album <laughs> i like the album like version. A, an excuse i can get to mention save the life of my child Cry the desperate mother. A nice little moog synthesizer on it oh yeah um very cool very cool but yeah you get just the end of that of that moog synth and then we we cross over into some acoustic guitar and the oh yeah the humming Uh, like that's kind of the like main little like riff of the song right because you get that on the guitar as well um but yeah it's i think it's all paul simon i don't think there's any art garfunkel at this first part and he's got like he's kind of got the low part low harmony and and sort of mid it's very 
Nice. Yeah. It, it draws you right in. Yeah. It's, uh, I've been thinking we should maybe start Cover Me with that instead of like a, like a written intro. Just I'll just hum. Just humming. And then people will be like, oh, yeah. <laughs> I'll listen to whatever this is. Yeah. And then they can put up with us for an hour and a half. <laughs> yeah. Lull them in. False sense of security. There's got to be two guys, though, on that hum, doesn't there? It sounds I think like it's two voices. Two tra- I think it's two it's Paul two, Simons. It's two Paul Simons. I'm not 100% Simon Simon. sure. Has somebody done that? You, like, remove Garfunkel from <laughs> Simon, Simon and Garfunkel. Simon. <laughs> Simon and Simon. It might be too hard with the harmonies. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I, or, I feel like... I wonder if, like, there's enough live versions of Paul Simon doing the songs that you could, like, match, put it all together. Right. So you could it. legitimately just replace Art Garfunkel. <laughs> That would be Fuck, funny. That'd be funny. <laughs> um, but yeah, you get that, and you get the the acoustic guitar noodling around it while we get the humming pattern. This yeah. Yeah, and like, it's hard to tell. It might be a little electric on one of them. Maybe. No, I don't think so. I feel like it's acoustic. Yeah, I think oh, you're right. Through. Um, but yeah, so you kind of get those two. Uh, you get the harmony and the like little, like you said, noodling kind of. It's not really playing like a melody exactly, but like sort of little licks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Finger picking. Lots of finger picking. Mm-hmm. Lots of finger picking. And then we come into the first verse with Garfunkel's finally coming in, starting to do some work. Yeah. They do. The, <laughs> yeah. Finally. Um, finally. He kind of does harmonies on like some lines and then does the like, does some ooze. Yeah. He, he sings pretty high. So like, you get the like, ooh. You know, yeah, and respect to that. He's he's got some good moments where his high notes really come through. Yeah, absolutely. And I think yeah, they they bring a lot to the song. Um, coming in along with uh, Garfunkel here is drummer Hal Blaine. Yeah, it's very the drums are like so soft. It's like this little yes. drum roll that leads into it, and then just like the, like plays basically like soft cymbals, like it's like a muted hi hat or something. He really comes through on some of the like, uh, kind of like ends of like verses and and things like that, where he kind of hits these like soft, sparse fills. They're very cool. Yeah. But this um, is uh, Hal Blaine, not only a Wrecking Crew studio musician, with Wrecking Crew being a group of studio musicians who were brought in anytime you needed a fucking song to be a hit. Yeah. Basically, <laughs> but he's the guy who coined the name, the Wrecking Crew. Yeah. Okay, that's pretty cool. And he also played drums on Mrs. Robinson, which we previously talked about. Right. Yeah, I uh, for, kind of forgot they were working with the Wrecking Crew. Um, but yeah, like huge names in, uh, as like studio musicians. Um, yes. The uh, remaining members on this one being Larry Nectel and uh, on keyboards and Joe Osborne on bass. All Wrecking Crew members. All right. Yeah. Um, and I mean, it, they just like everything here has just got this like very nice like subtle sound to it everything is so soft but like meaningful (laughs) yeah so meaningful and just like the way it weaves from lyrics to like licks from either like the drum or the guitar like he's like so i got a pack of cigarettes and the guitar's like you're like yeah getting cigarettes it's almost like picking up an item in a video game (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah got my you got cigarettes and it's just yeah it just like flows together so smoothly as well Mm -hmm. um yeah i checked out those drum fills as well very nice where he kind of like starts to hit the like lower like toms, toms and, like, yeah. bum, bum, bum. and and the way they do the like reverb on this song, it's just it sounds pretty big. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of like echoey stuff on this one. 
Yeah, it's it's yeah, it gives you this very like great expanse sense, which plays into this like like vast America idea. Mm-hmm. Um, worth noting as well because this is one of the quotes I have from Art Garfunkel about the first what you could almost call the refrain in this song, where it's kind of altered every time, but it's where they dra- name drop America and yeah, walk off I would say America. so. Right? I mean, some version of they end with America, which is like the closest thing they get to a rhyme. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. the, the same. And it really only happens on three of five verses. That's anyway, right. So. so it's yeah, it's not fully like yeah. a refrain or anything, but it is repeated um, and altered. But here, Garfunkel is apparently especially fond of this section where they sing and walked off to look for America. He said in an interview in 1993 that quote that has a real upright, earnest quality because we both have the identical soul at that moment. We come from the identical place in our attitude and the spine that's holding us up. We are the same person, same college kid striking out. End quote. Oh, that's a an interesting line. Mm-hmm. I guess, yeah. That's um, I don't fully know it. I guess they feel like as performers, like the kind of as performers. Thing? I think. I think not in the story are we meant to necessarily right. interpret him as a college kid. But I think Garfunkel's talking about both him and Simon, who were both like in college, maybe at this time, at least when they were first starting out, right? And like trying to find something. Yeah, America. Yeah, and since this song is draws back on an experience from that time, maybe that's why Garfunkel's bringing it up. Maybe Garfunkel just likes to talk anytime somebody allows him to. <laughs> oh, poor Garfunkel. <laughs> <laughs> He's getting roasted on this podcast. <laughs> I like uh, don't even mean to be, but it's like it's hard not to. <laughs> uh, maybe if he actually did something for once. Yeah, get up off your lazy ass, Garfunkel. <laughs> oh, Art. Is it? Oh, for Artie Art boy. Thing? Anyway, I wonder. Anyway, I think it's short for fart. Got him. <laughs> <laughs> uh, take that, Art Garfunkel. Yeah. So we come into verse two, and yeah. we get another like dreamy quality, which is this keyboard being played. I think it might be a Hammond organ. Yeah, organ of some kind for sure. Hammond, I believe. Yeah, I forgot it, to check the credits on. Uh, it kind on of title. like it kind of does a. Yeah, it sort of follows the vocal melody, but it's sort of faster and like has it really everything kind of has this flowy feel, but it really like has this very smooth being played. Yeah, each note kind of bleeds into the next, and it is this like arpeggio that's maybe like around the vocal melody, so it's kind of like weaving in and around it. And then like sometimes it more like holds a little bit, drones a bit, but then kind of keeps going. Uh, The drums also pick up a bit here. It yeah. gets to more of that like duck, 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 like like four four type. Yeah, beat. and we get a nice roll there at, after Michigan seems like a dream to me now. Dum, Michigan dum, seems dum, like dum, a dum. dream to me now. Ooh. Didn't and you really start call to out the vocal melody, but like mm-hmm. very nice, very nice. Yeah, and it's this is where we get the first kind of move from softness to to like soft and like quiet and inwards to this big outwards like booming section on it. it took me four days to hitchhike from saginaw like it rises yeah. up it's so big yeah that's like a really big build sort of turning point for the song mm-hmm. um electric bass as well did you talk about did you mention that? um i lightly this is really yeah. where it starts to come into play is yeah. that bass it's yeah. gonna do a lot more on verse three where it kind of right. really gets a groove going but yeah we start to hear it here yeah it's sort of like it's being played very high up mm-hmm. as well, yeah. and it's kind of it's almost like just doing the. There's a guitar in verse one, 
that yes. is doing more or less the same thing. And now it's yeah, just they're... kind of like on the bass, but like played, like shifted up an octave. Exactly. Yeah, that bass is very high. And yeah, if you're not listening, you'll just be like, well, they're getting something out of that guitar there. It's like, no, it's actually yeah. the bass. Yeah. And uh, and then once you get into that Saginaw line, like we said, it's the build. And like, that's where the bass kind of starts to drop down a bit and yeah. change. And then I believe we get more of that in the next verse. Yes, we do. And then like talking about the next line, I've gone to look for America. A complete, right. a complete switch up from the the walked off to look for America, which is so soft and tender. Yeah. This one is full of, you know, it's bombastic, it's courageous, it's big. This is a guy looking for America. He's got a plan. You know, you believe in him. He's confident. Yeah, a little more driven. Very exciting. Mm-hmm. Very exciting. And then boom, that fucking saxophone comes in. Nobody's credited with the saxophone. Yeah, I don't see anything in the credits for saxophone. So I have to assume it was God. Yeah. I mean, who else could it have been, right? I kind of thought it was like a clarinet or something, because it plays pretty high, but it does okay. make sense that it's a saxophone. It is, and it is a saxophone. as a soprano sax. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but at first I was like, yeah, woodwinds, you know? <laughs> yeah, it could easily, you could probably shift Also, it if a it's clarinet. a soprano saxophone, mm-hmm. I believe those ones kind of look like clarinets anyway. <laughs> Okay. Like, yeah, I don't so think they have a curve in them, but I might be thinking of the wrong kind. Hey, I believe anything you say. Um. Oh, no. Never mind. I'm thinking of a... Oh, no. This one is. You're thinking of a flute. Soprano saxophone. No, yeah. It is. It's just a straight... Straight. There's no curve. Okay. Interesting. I so think of saxophones as being a curved instrument. Yeah. But, like, you just get the different sizes. So, the soprano sax is just, like, a higher one, right? Mm-hmm. And, uh... Yeah, it's uh, it looks a lot like a clarinet, but it's like brass instead of crazy, uh, like black. All right, white, interesting. Um, and then yeah, you get your bigger saxophones. Alto is the one you normally hear. Okay, yeah, that's right. Yeah, but yeah, that takes us in, guides us right into the verse three with just like it's just dancing here. Yeah, what a sound. What a sound. And the bass is playing along pretty much beside it, also kind of playing loose and fun with these grooves. Boom, boom, da do da doom. And it gives you that sense of travel. It gives you that sense of playfulness. It, like, really perfectly underscores the lyrical content of verse three. Yeah, and you still get that feeling of, like, things flowing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Excellent. And then you get a little more organ the organ's more like droning now yeah because kind of like the thing the organ was doing before the saxophone's kind of doing that now so yeah the organ just sort of moves into the background yeah and you can kind of hear it mostly once we're dropping from verse three where it's that's we lose all this steam and start coming into this uh this uh, like cool down period of verse four right where we're not laughing on the bus anymore yeah, we've had our laughs. We're just kind of getting a little tired from the travel. We're hoping for one last cigarette. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so you lose your saxophone in the fourth verse. Mm-hmm. It's really, it, it's more or less the first verse in terms of energy. Yeah. You get a lot of the same beats. You get that, like, uh, that guitar riff after a line that... <laughs> it's, yeah, it is a lot of the same uh, elements as verse one. Yeah, the drums are kind of back down to, like, the... Yeah, just hitting that symbol a bit here and there. Yeah. So, awesome. Yeah, but you get a nice, probably one of my favorite drum rolls there because it seems so like 
not a typical drum roll and this doom da dum dum da dum and you kind of like it's not a pacing you usually hear yeah there's not i mean you don't hear that sort of the like just empty space a lot mm-hmm. uh, i think in drums nowadays we're and and that's you know that's cool too but this is it's a different approach and it's cool yeah approach. this is a jazz approach this is about the notes you don't play man there's definitely some jazz influence here i mean it doesn't sound jazzy really but i feel like i'm there's something about like the the gentleness of it the mm-hmm. way the, how light they're playing yeah you know? even like just the introduction and rem- removal of instruments as we move through yeah. is like a little jazz solo based yeah and like the way they can do it does kind of feel like that especially when you got like all these parts layered and like you get that saxophone in for example it's not even really like the focal point but like it's there and it's playing like a fairly you know, quick part. Yeah, it feels fairly intricate for yeah. what it's doing. Like, it's but not like down. in an intense way. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, yeah. They never like break this sort of dreamy space, this illusion. They give it a little extra energy. They take it away, but it's always in the same sort of like mental space, this sound space. I, I guess. Yeah, of I guess memory, kind of. Although it is, yeah, happening in real time. It seems to be anyway. I guess yeah, it is. And so we get a, actually kind of a similar arrangement to verse two here. So if you look at the structure, I guess it is kind of like verse one, verse two, verse three, and then repeat, but then there's no verse three again. Yeah. Although they also sort of, I mean, I feel like they get big enough on, on verse five. It's almost like jumping over. Right. Cause we are, we are hitting the, two and three together. The, yeah, I, I suppose you're right. Cause yeah, we open with that same, like, uh, kind of Hammond organ focus, like do, 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 do. And then, yeah, we come to our biggest um, bit yet with counting the cars on the New Jersey Turnpike. Boom, up, yeah. up, till they've all come to look for America. All come to look for America. And, like, yeah, it feels, like, huge. And yeah, we get cymbal crashes on this section. Which yeah. is so wild, because it still feels, yeah. like, gentle. <laughs> Yeah, it's just kind of, it's almost the, like the Jurassic Park seeing the dinosaurs for the first time. Yeah. There's, like, you it's got just the like reveal, majestic. Like, yeah, <sighs> there's a bit of awe to it. Yeah. Yeah, I like that. I like that comparison. As you're seeing cars on the fucking cars, yeah. <laughs> highway. Um, also, uh, it should be said, we talked about how it just so pulls out at this point and like the music mm-hmm. kind of mirrors that and and really starts like sweeping um and feels huge but there's still like this intimate aspect to it but now we're looking at this broader picture and all these yeah. people are kind of connected but don't realize it and just has this moment of realizing that everyone yeah, just, exists outside of you know his own life but yeah kind of i guess you could see states like actually seeing america in that moment he kind of maybe finds it yeah there. maybe he finds america maybe that's what's happening but finding it but what America is, is searching for America. <laughs> yeah, America is the search. It's the friends you made along the way, dog. Yeah. <laughs> no, but like, it's it about is laughing the journey. on the bus. Yeah. It's about roasting some dude in a suit. <laughs> it's about roasting some dude in a suit. And also, your singing partner. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but then, yeah, we pull from that, that bombastic revelation to like the guitar version of that humming uh, melody. And just kind of like some yeah. some noodling on that that organ as we fade out. Yeah, it's very it's very good. 
<laughs> there's a, some like shaker or some kind too. You get a little. Oh yeah, you get a little. Um, but that's really the only other thing I wanted to mention. Um, yeah, yeah. It's just like it's such a beautiful song, and like yeah, we already truly. mentioned how like well constructed it is. But like, yeah, it just feels so purposeful. Everything about it, and maybe it wasn't. But I mean, maybe it was vibes. But if it was, it worked. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah, if that's just, like, a coincidence that that's as well-written as it is and, like, as well put yeah. together, I'd be shocked. Like, yeah, put, to- put together a weekend and it worked out. I don't know. I didn't think about it. <laughs> yeah, he's like, I don't know. I, was just, nah. I just remember one time I went on a road trip. It was pretty good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, what? <laughs> yeah. I'm... Interesting, his story of his road trip. I wonder if he actually, like, hitchhiked. <laughs> yeah, I wonder. It's believable for that time period. Yes, but it is. Also, and he definitely would have been big. influenced by, like, the beat poets, right? Like for Kerouac. Sure. So you would have gotten some. It, this is, I'm sure, fairly directly influenced by On the Road. I, I, I didn't, haven't seen that written anywhere, but like, I would be shocked if, if yeah, he was if like, uh, never heard of him. Kerouac? <laughs> Who? <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah, I can see that definitely being an influence. And even because the interesting thing is, is this was written in 1966. Um, and I guess we have to kind of take the 1964 trip as the basis because that uh, Bob Dyer guy, the DJ from Saginaw, said he paid Paul Simon and he paid for Simon and Garfunkel to play one thousand two hundred fifty dollars, mm-hmm. which is roughly eleven thousand dollars. I googled in in today time money. Okay, and Paul was saying that they were getting paid four times that much regularly in those days. So it's like he was kind of well known in '66, I think. So for him to hitchhike is like odd. Yeah, so it m- must be a reference to the original road trip. Yeah, I would suspect. So did he hitchhike from Saginaw? Maybe not, but he. I'm. I would guess maybe he did. Oh right, yeah, not a reference to well to that the festival or whatever he was playing. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, kind of yeah, mashed I, it together because it doesn't it. matter, right? It's about mm-hmm. syllables, Dick. It's about syllables, Dick. This is the man who said it. He said it best. Yeah. It's about syllables, Dick. Uh. Yeah, uh, worth noting, kind of glazed over uh, Kathy Chitty here, but she is right. the influence for, she has influence in this song, um, in Homeward Bound, and uh, of course, Kathy's song. Did write a song for Kathy specifically. Yeah, so yep. she's kind of like, she's, she's around. A, she's, some people call her the third member of Simon and Garfunkel. Do they actually? No. Or did you say that now? <laughs> I said that now. It sounded like Some people asshole. call it the fifth uh, Simon and Garfunkel. Yeah, that's right. Uh, after the Wrecking Crew yeah. in America. Um, <laughs> yeah, she does seem to have some influence on him. He's writing her songs and stuff. Uh, he also, I think, Paul Simon, I think, was married a number of times. So Yes, he but was, not to Kathy Chitty. Not to Kathy Chitty. Interesting. I, I looked at it because I was like, surely it must be his first wife or something. No. No? I just know he was married to Carrie Fisher, which is so wild. That is wild. Yeah. I don't I don't know if it was for that long. But no. anyway. Yeah, that was uh married in eighty three, divorced in eighty four. That was yeah, a quick. There one. you go. That was like he was like, I'm sorry, I'm busy making Graceland. We can't be married anymore. I mean that's made Graceland though, so that's cool. I'm willing for that sacrifice to happen if it means yeah. Graceland happens. We got Graceland, we got more Star Wars. I feel like we all made out pretty well in that deal. <laughs> I think it's been great for everyone. Yeah. Um what you know who made out great with this song though is our first cover act. Uh yes, in nineteen seventy-two. 
Yeah, they did? They made out? They, this was a hit. Okay. I guess, yeah, it was a single. Or this is the single, single version, too. Yes. Um, it's kind of weird because I, I know this version. Like, but you know the full version? I, yeah, I know the full version because it's a bonus track on the version of uh, Fragile that I had. Okay. So I was like, I knew the like 10 minute long version of this. Yeah. And I will say, I listened to the 10 minute version, 10 minute long version this week, and I do think it is better than the single. Yeah. But I think, I think, yes, as a band are just like instrumentally very strong. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. They're like, they're insane musicians. Like, yes. No they're, doubt they're about it. They're a prog rock band from this era, like 70s, 80s. Um, people might know them today for, writing the ending theme for the first two parts of Jojo's Bizarre, <laughs> Jojo's Adventure. Bizarre Adventure. Roundabout. Yeah. yeah, Roundabout, they did, I guess, uh, what is it, South Side of the Sky, and um, uh, what's the other one? You know that song. <laughs> I'm not sure I do know that one. Uh, I, would, I you thought you would have mentioned Owner of a Lonely Heart. Owner of a Lonely Heart, uh, a long distance runaround, kind of. Um, okay, yeah. Another song that is about the same thing that the song Ohio is about. That's fun. Uh, the oh. Kent State shootings. Uh, I've seen All Good People is the song I was trying to reference. Oh, okay. I do yeah. know that seen one. All at least good by name. people oh, turn people. their heads and they this back. I'm on my way. Yeah, so they're like a moderately successful band. Um, they're like a really big name in prog rock in the 70s. Yes, and I think deservedly so. Oh, absolutely. They've got some really good songs that I really like. Uh, Fragile is very good. Uh, there's some good stuff on like uh, Yes Songs, I think is another one. And yeah, mm-hmm. so back in the day, they had some really good stuff. And frankly, they released an album in 2023. I wasn't crazy about the vocals. But the instruments are still fucking ripping, yeah, dude. Like, they're they're very, very talented musicians. Um, so that's the band. That's I the like band. them. Now I the question don't is, like this version. This? I don't. I like. I fucking hate this version. I think it's so bad. <laughs> I do think it misses the mark entirely. Uh, I honestly. I do want to read this quote yeah, from yeah, uh, Chris it. Swire, who kind of explains. He says, "Quote: When Yes first formed, Simon and Garfunkel were very prevalent hit makers at the time, and both myself and John Anderson were big fans of them. That's why we covered the song America, but we did it differently than their way. Obviously, yeah. we wanted to expand things, which is basically what we did. When pop tunes were expected to be three minutes long, our mantra was." Let's make them 10 minutes long. So that was really what we did. I guess so. I mean, to me, this I heard this version. I was like, okay, I understand the criticisms of prog rock now. Like, <laughs> I get why people don't like this genre. Because to me, this is just everything wrong with prog rock. Like, For sure. It, it's so overblown. It feels like the way he sings to me feels very, like, impersonal. Yeah. Um, the, the solos don't make sense to me. They're very nice. They're very good playing. But, like, there's just so much. It's so maximalist which, to me, which... Uh, in a song that, to me, is such a, like, small, intimate thing. Yeah, yeah. I don't like it. I, I think you, everything you've said is 100% <laughs> right. I think the problem is worsened in the single version. Because okay. things kind of feel a bit disjointed, too. So at least right, with the full 10-minute cut, you can understand the motion a little more. And right. yeah, it is maximalist as fuck. It goes all over the place. The vocal deliveries are strange and at times completely against what <laughs> is narratively happening. Yeah, and they like, just sometimes feel so like even like that Michigan seems like a dream to make it. Like it's... Uh, yeah, yeah, this is the version of America version. that focuses on the glitz and glam of America. I guess so. And it, But it doesn't hit that mark either because there's not like enough sleaze or something to go on in here. It is yeah. too like prog rocky. Yeah. Um, 
even his delivery of like Kathy, I'm lost is this like sassy kind of like <laughs> Kathy, I'm lost. And you're like, what the fuck is yeah, happening? Honestly, here? <laughs> that part, like, it's so like harsh sounding. But I thought at least at that part, like, it felt like they were kind of moving into a space that might be interesting. So th- there are yeah. some parts like that. Like the third verse, I think, is okay when they drop down. Uh, right. And that's like about the one and a half minute mark of the single version. Uh, it takes a lot longer to get there in the 10 minute version. Um, of course, yeah. But uh, I think that's okay. Um, and may- I don't, I don't want to sound like I'm just, just don't like it because it's like different. Um, but I don't know. It just to me like s- so misses the point of the song. Yeah, when I feel like the original is so crystal clear in your ability to understand it and get that, you know, get the vibe, get the meaning. Yes, just like obscures it in so much bizarreness, so much like big production. And it's, and it's again, like it's still like instrumentally solid. Like the, everything yeah. they're playing is technically sound. I mean, listening to it, I'm like, it, some of this just sounds like um other yes songs other that i yes like songs. i like those yeah. songs um yeah in heart well, of the I'd sunrise listen to roundabout yeah um and yeah that kind of sound so it's just it's weird there's just so much going and i it, i mean it's it really it's yes it's absolutely sounds like yes but yeah i'm not a not a fan of of what they've done with it i yeah i think that is a very fair take they move in the middle after that softness they move to like honky tonk kind of like country i guess that's the progressive part they do try like a bunch of different things that's why parts i'm like yeah it's okay i guess yeah but maybe speaks to a disjointed america but that's also not what the song is about and like if if i had liked all the parts maybe but i don't know Mm -hmm. Um, yeah it's a massive version he said maximalist all over the place, tonally strange, all this, but t- I would say to underline that technically sound. Yeah, like. technically sound. Yeah. It's weird. This is, I mean, because I like, this is one of the first like cover versions I spent time thinking about, like back in mm-hmm. like high school or just afterwards. Right. Because I had been, you know, I knew the song America and saw that there was this song on one of these albums. I, I took it out of the library at the time, right? Right. So, saw this song was on was like is it the same and it was like yeah it is <laughs> and i was like but i don't like it <laughs> so very interesting very interesting it's definitely one worth listening to like i said it was a hit hit number 46 as a as a single which is i think actually the same uh like peak that the original had on the billboard charts oh, so that's interesting. interesting and then it hit number 20 in new zealand oh that's its other weird credit okay not bad and in 1992, apparently, according to guitarist Steve Howe, he ran into Simon at a disaster relief concert and asked Simon if he liked the cover. Simon said he did. Okay. Um, but we'll get a couple more stories of Paul Simon just approving of covers. So I do wonder if he's kind of the guy who's just like, I'm just thrilled people are playing my music. Yeah. Like, and honestly, like, I feel like if it were me, I wouldn't want to be like, nah, fuck, it sucks, man. I'd be like, now yeah, we I have wish to spend didn't. time together. <laughs> now we're still both in this space together. Yeah, um, exactly. He's like, all yeah. right. Anyway, we gotta do whatever this disaster relief concert yeah. is. Yeah. Um. Do I have something else to say about this? Well, uh, let me tell you, disaster uh, relief concert's a great segue. Yeah, let's do it. Into David Bowie in two thousand one, the reason for the season. So we pulled a pack of cigarettes. Mrs. Watkins pies. Walk. 
When was the America one? The American one was, uh, I, I have heard the release is 2011. Oh. Right. I'm, I'm judging by, from the album it's from, is from 2011, back pages. Do you have a different date for it? 92. 92? Really? I don't know why I have 92. I don't see that anymore. I see 2011. 2011, yeah. I don't and know. I f- okay. I, I don't know where I got 92 <laughs> from. My dates on the other ones might be messed up now. Okay, no sweat. I think I've got the right dates. I think you're My right. main yeah. argument for America being that time is that one of the singers sounds a little off. Okay. For, for America of even, you know, 20 years prior to that, right. I think would be a little better. Okay. But we're talking about David we're Bowie's America. David Bowie. And boy, howdy. You want to go from maximalist to minimalist real quick. We just did. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, let's describe the whole thing. We already, you already kind of did at the, in the intro. Uh, <laughs> yeah. David Bowie uh, sits on a stage, cross-legged, with an mm-hmm. omnicord in front of him, a Suzuki omnicord, playing one of the like rhythms, and just like does the chords as he sings this song. Yeah, so um, for people who might not know, because I didn't know what an omnicord was till like sure. you f- got to fix one up. Yes, what I is have, an omnicord, I Alex? Right over there. Omnicord is uh, basically an electric auto harp, more or less. So mm-hmm. that's a, another <laughs> instrument. And basically, there are a series of chord buttons um, that correspond with different chords. So you'll have like, you know, C, G, you know, all your chord uh, mm-hmm. letters and then they will be there will be a, a a root um and then like major minor seventh kind of thing and his is more complex so i think it probably has more different types of chords and more different different notes to play right. um so that's kind of the the basic operation but then on top of that there's like a rhythm section where in this one it plays the like boom ba bum boom bum so so if you turn that on then you can just like choose a, a rhythm and it'll have a bunch of presets and then hold or you can set it. You can either hold it or or set it so you don't have to hold it, so it, it stays on. It latches, right? Um, and then it'll just play the boom, bum, ba, and then there's a, a like drum section. So right. I guess it's a it's a bass section, a rhythm section. Yeah. Anyway, so it plays these patterns. Uh, also famously used in uh, uh, Clint Eastwood. That's correct by the Gorillas. The Gorillas. Yeah. Um, and there's like a funny clip of Damon Albarn being like, "You want to see something?" And he just like. <laughs> Presses like turns on the omnicord and, and like slows it down. And it's like, yeah, that's Clint Eastwood exactly. Like just like, uh, yeah, it's boom. Just use the preset. Yeah. So this is a similar uh, setup. Uh, unfortunately, neither one is the omnicord I have, so I can't recreate this exactly. Oh, I was gonna ask if you if you could. Yeah, um, I have like the the early like base model twenty seven button one. Okay. But this is probably like an eighty four or something with a lot more. Um, yeah, but I, you, do, you don't really get a good look at it. In no, this video. it's 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 very it's darkly lit in the video, um, it's, and it's, it's lying kinda... on the floor, and he's just reaching down to touch it. So yeah, I wonder if it is a twenty-seven. I don't know. Anyway, um, but yeah, it's uh, it's quite a performance because he's like not doing much. I remember seeing this maybe twenty seventeen or so, mm-hmm. um, and being like, "Is that an Omnicore?" <laughs> like. Right. This was a time in my life where I was just learning about a lot of like old synth stuff like okay. that. And uh I was still kind of mixing up Mellotron, Omnicord, and Stylophone. So I was like, it's one of those ones. <laughs> I had to remember having to look it up. Oh yeah. Anyway. 
Yeah. Um, so he's playing, yeah. like you said, this boom, bop, bop, boom, bop, bop, boom, bop, bop. And that's really it. There are some synth sustains that also happen in this. They're very small, but they are present. I don't know if that's produced by an Omnichord. Like you can hear it even around 15 seconds. Yeah, I'm going to look for that. Oh, yeah, for sure. I, I'm not sure. The other thing an Omnichord has that I didn't mention is there's mm-hmm. like a, a capacitive strum bar. So oh, when you okay. hold a chord, when you like set it to play a certain chord, you can then like strum like you would with an auto harp because with an auto harp, usually, you know, you'll select a chord and then when you strum, like it's all that chord kind of thing. So then you can strum along this bar and, and, but you can strum different parts of the bar to play lower or higher notes kind of thing. Right. He doesn't seem to use that. So that's not really okay. the sound there. So I, and I don't know all the features on this Omnichord, but I suspect mm-hmm. there's a little more going on in the background. And he does have a full band here, because after this, he sings Heroes. He sings Heroes. Yeah, so it could be that it's just the synth player in the back kind of just filling it a bit. Yeah. But it's not much. It doesn't add like a ton, a ton. It's yeah. not complex it's or a anything. Little more, a little more synth. Um, and that, that Omnichord has an almost, like, especially with the rhythm and even the tone, this kind of like American like baseball game feel to it. Kind of does, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, but like slow and sad about it. Like, mm-hmm. you know, it's not as happy. So, like, doing so as little as he does with this Omnicord, he already like locks into this like American idea, yeah, like sonically. It's interesting. But crucially, mm-hmm. he's still David Bowie and he is like really doing the South London accent in this song. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I said his bow tie is really a camera. camera. Oh, come to look for America, you know, like all that. Uh, so it's it's a it's a very interesting sound because of that. It's, mm-hmm. it's a, like it's America, and of course that's part of America because you know America's the melting pot or whatever. Right? That's right. But uh, and especially like this guy who you know traveled the world for a long time and lived in a lot of different places and eventually settled in New York. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of meaningful in that way as well. So, yeah, it's yeah, interesting. This also this opened the concert. This is the first thing. That this happened. is the first thing you see. It's yeah. crazy. Which is like, I mean, I just, I don't know what tickets to this thing cost, but like to go to this thing and like lights down, spotlight on, David Bowie is sitting cross-legged on the stage, and it's like, yeah, what is even happening? I know, and he manages to walk this line between like res- respecting in this tragedy and like performing a great number, yeah, and like keeping a crowd enraptured like so perfectly yeah it's like i mean we're not going to come out here and slag a david bowie cover probably no, not that's but now what we're here to do it's a very tender vocal performance it's he's as strong he's a strong performer people we talk about him because he's good at what he does yeah and this is very good i think it it benefits from the context for sure but like he really plays to that context so well of just like 9-11 just happened? Yeah, of 9-11 yeah. being a tragedy. <laughs> yeah. Um, I told you I was going to look up the story because when we were talking about this benefit concert a bit, mm-hmm. I, I knew that the, I guess, retired businessman, <laughs> Reggie Fils-Aimé, right, former president of Nintendo of America, was yeah. affiliated with this somehow. So I wanted to look it up and figure out like, did he call David Bowie? Was it him? <laughs> like, is he booking them? I looked it up. He worked for VH1 at the time. And he okay. was, like, in charge of, I think, marketing. That so makes sense. It, yeah. <laughs> so he didn't, like, book the 
the acts or anything. But well, yeah, and so many of these acts are British. It's like David Bowie, The Who. It's like Paul McCartney yeah. put this together. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So it's uh. Anyway, I just wanted to mention that because we talked about it a couple weeks ago together. Mm-hmm. And that didn't. And we gotta do Nintendo shoutouts. <laughs> we have to shout out Nintendo. It's they're our corporate sponsor. Yeah. Thank you, Nintendo. Um, but yeah, that's really like this version. There's not too much else to say. Yeah. Um, Let's there's also switch to talk. Oh. No. <laughs> I wish I could make that. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I interrupted you though. I was just gonna say, like, while he's playing this, I don't know if this was at the the actual concert or if that's just for the benefit of this video. But there is superimposed footage of just like New York City, America stuff. There's uh black and white shots of the tower being built. Uh, the, like the right. trade centers being built. Um, there's just like New York City aerial footage. Uh, oh yeah, some traffic stuff, subways, hat dogs, uh, people immigrating. I think on boats. There's like people yeah. holding a little American waving flags. flags. All that stuff's going on. So yeah, like, I'll bet that was on a screen somewhere. Yeah, because it loops like halfway through. They do the first part again, and then they add in some yeah. new shit. But yeah, let's let's switch, switch <laughs> <laughs> over to talking about the next song. Which my dates are messed up, so okay, America now, perfect. It is America in 2011 now. So we bought a pack of cigarettes and Mrs. Wagner pies and walked off to look for America. Um, these are the horse with no name guys. Come on. Yeah, and Sister Golden Hair. Sister Golden love Sister Golden Hair. And Ventura Highway. And Tin Man. That's about that's about my American knowledge. <laughs> yeah, those are the the and literally the best of America. Yeah. Um. Well, uh, Sandman. I understand you've been running from a man who goes by the name of the Sandman. Yeah, I don't know that one. <laughs> you don't know about him riding the sky like an eagle in the eye of a hurricane that's abandoned. That sounds familiar. I think I, yeah. I think you lent me uh, an America Greatest Hits at one point. I definitely did. And um, I definitely listened to I Sister Golden Hair. One is it only? There's one where he refers to basically his dick as a train. And that rules. <laughs> On the dick train. <laughs> no, he, he says, "If you want, you can ride my train and forget the reasons why you're leaving." Like, okay. damn. You go, okay, all right, guy from America. The, the most, like, confident and, like, almost sensitive way to talk about riding your big hog. Like, yeah. <laughs> holy shit. Oh, man. But this is these guys past their heyday. Maybe the train doesn't run as well as it used to. I mostly put this version on because it's America doing a song called America. I know, right? It's America does America. And, yeah. Yeah. And, like... Instrumentally, it's pretty much what you'd expect from America. It's like some fast picking guitar. Yeah, I think that's the main. Like the arrangement's not that different, other than like they do more picking. Yeah, um, but it's all like acoustic, and but it's very similar. And they get like an accordion on the track at a point here. I think. Um. Yeah, it comes in a couple times. So they do some of that. Like they don't do as much of the like subtle build stuff as like the Wrecking mm-hmm. Crew did on the original track. But you still get that like an accordion comes in verse two, comes back in verse four. Um, yeah, and like there's some of that like strings or string synth probably uh, in the other verse. And then they they really do. It really does get big like on the fifth verse because before that mm. it's, it's like fairly straightforward. And then like, but uh, they do the harmonies. 
you know they're harmonies yeah, they do the this. harmonies they're they're all singers and they switch around who does the lead role mm-hmm. which is when i was just listening to this in the background verse two came in and i was like who the fuck is this is this some kind of experimental joke band like what the fuck is happening because the guy comes on with the most nasally voice yeah he's much like, more nasally sounding for sure than yeah i uh, would have expected from a band who i thought what they sounded like but yeah yeah, you're like, I know these guys, and it's like, uh, I wasn't this I was expecting. Um, yeah, but I mean, he's still, he's still like hitting the notes and stuff. Just, I mean, yeah, he hits the notes, it's just not the tonal quality yeah. I expected from him. Even, in, yeah, going to the fifth verse, but um, yeah, so he gets some pretty nice harmonies. Yeah. Um, and then, and they do a pretty good, like, real big breakout, you know? They get, like, loud drums and strings and then accordions back and just, like, so much sound. Yeah, for sure. And that's kind of their big bits. It's Like you said, it's not as, like, uh, like what would you call it? Like, as intricately uh, composed or, or laid out arranged, as the original. It's not the rec- arranged, that would be the word. Yeah. Yeah, but it's it's solid. It's a pop solid. They they do the big. You build a little here. You go really big at the end, etc. Like fills the yeah. basic building blocks. Yeah, they sound pretty good. And there's some pretty good tones, but honestly, not that interesting. Not amazing. Overall. Um, but hey, another one with the Simon seal of approval is our next act. Uh, first aid kit, first 2014. Aid kit. So we bought a pack of cigarettes. Mrs. Wagner Pies And we walked off To look for America I think we've talked about them before. We definitely I have. Remember I forgot for. to look up what for. Um, I thought yeah, I found a... it, but then it was actually a different song with a similar okay. name. Mm. Um, they're, uh, they're a Swedish singing fireworks. duo. They have a song oh, called it? Fireworks. Oh, okay. We, mm. They did not cover fire. It's firework, right? Singular? Yeah. yeah. It's fireworks. Running up that hill? Maybe? Hang on. No. Let me see. No, yeah. No. No. I can't remember. No. Yeah. First aid kit. Running up that Running hill. Up hill? All right. There we go. So we did talk um, about them. Yeah. Don't remember what we said. Um, um, probably similar to what we might similar. say about this one. So this is Johanna and Clara Soderberg. They're right. Swedish. They're sisters. They sing. They're folk. Yes. Um, they All first performed this. So this one, I might be wrong on the date because this might be the live version from 2012. This was performed originally in honor of Paul Simon at the Polar Music Prize Award ceremony and then released on an album, this version, later. Okay. In 2014. Yeah, and I mean, they sound, they sound pretty nice. You know, you get the, the finger picking on the guitar and they have a piano as well, so that's kind of like their instruments. Mm-hmm. Um, lots of vo- uh, vocal echo. Um, they do harmonies. So they sound pretty yeah. nice. They're solid vocalists, for sure. I wrote they sound nice enough in two different bullet points. <laughs> they sound nice enough. Yeah, they sound nice enough. Um, the one thing that I thought was weird about this version, it's not, mm-hmm. like, terrible, but it's kind of loud. Yeah, I suppose so. Yeah, I don't know. That's just what I thought. And maybe, and it's not really that big a deal, necessarily. Like, the original is very quiet. Yeah, it's. I mean, uh, I was also grumpy when I was taking these notes. So it's too loud. Too loud. Turn that racket down. Turn that racket down. I think it is like their vocals are definitely punching through a lot. And yeah. I think, given who they are and what they do, obviously that's what they want to highlight, right? True. Yeah. That. Yeah. That's definitely would be one of their goals. Um, but 
It's a, oh my gosh. I also wrote that it's a nice enough arrangement. Apparently, I think this one is nice enough. <laughs> yeah, so it it's sounds nice to me like you're not too impressed. One. I would say that's fair. I'll give him credit for doing one thing, which is bringing the humming back at the end. That's good. Yeah. It's such, the humming is so good fucking sound. good. Mm-hmm. Especially if you get the harmonies and the hums. That would, I yeah. think, sound really cool live. Um, last thing I wanted to point out around 240 ish, it starts. It yeah. kind of sounds like phone vibrating, but it's like quiet enough that it kind of sounds like it's vibrating on the outside of my earphones. So I kept okay. checking my phone during this song. <laughs> Let me see. I'm going to listen for it now. Yeah. And it's like, like it's just like low, kind of bassy rumble. Hang on. Hang on. Okay, I kind of hear it. I might have even heard it when I was listening to it earlier because uh, I had a song <laughs> the other week when we were listening to it. I had to like pause it because it's like, are those sirens coming from the song or the <laughs> or the, just the area around me? And it, of course, was the area around me. But um, yeah, not a whole lot else. It's, it's got strings. It's, it's kind of, we talked about so many versions of songs that are like this. It plays pretty well with this because the song is already pretty soft and tender. So just to do soft and tender by the book works pretty well. Yeah, absolutely. I feel like I'm like looking through this. I'm like, okay, so I didn't like it because it was too different. I didn't like it because it was too similar. Like, what am I, what am I doing here? Yeah, I mean, well, the original is. I mean, we basically called it perfect. So it's very yeah, hard it's to really like good. alter something and try to get something better out of it. Yeah. because uh, like even Bowie's version, I think if you remove the context of the great American tragedy might not hit as hard. It is pretty straightforward. And like, obviously I just generally like David Bowie or we do, yeah. but yeah, I see. I see what you mean. But Hey, we, we got to talk about the longest version today. Um, Kramer in 2017. Yeah. Also, this is called The Brill Building, book two. Mm-hmm. Is this a Brill Building song? Is it? I, I've i not heard it called that. Like, I don't really think of Simon and Garfunkel as being associated with The Brill Building. I can see The Brill Building kind of aping Simon and Garfunkel style, that folksy, like, Stuff. Although name is sorry, to spend time hold up during nineteen fifty six. Piano being moved on. Yeah, I didn't see Paul it. Paul Simon worked there in the late nineteen fifties and still maintains an office in the building for his music publishing company. So okay, fair enough. I get, it feels almost like te- like not quite a Brill Building, like technically a Brill Building more than yeah, actual Brill Building. That's how I would classify. Fair it. enough. You know, if you're looking for an excuse to cover the song, why not? Yeah. Also, Steve, here comes the night. That seems not that. Doesn't seem brill building to me. And here comes the n- yeah. Anyway, I I shouldn't dig into this right now. Um, this is not the time. We're here distracted. to talk about Stephen Michael Bonner, not Cosmo Kramer from Seinfeld. Oh, this is Mark Kramer, not Kramer of Kramer versus Kramer fame. No, not that <laughs> Kramer either. Um, nor a third Kramer that I know of. I don't. This is the third Kramer. It's Mark Kramer. It's Mark. Um, musician, composer, record producer, and founder of the record label Shimmy Disc. He's produced a, a few bands and artists, um, including Half Japanese, White Zombie, Guar, King Missile, uh, Danielson Famille, Will Oldham, Daniel Johnston, who we've talked about on the podcast yeah. before, and Urge Overkill. So he's he's like he's in the business. Yeah, he's uh, associated with the butthole surfers. 
Wait, am I looking at the right person? Yeah. Um, Ween. That's fun. Ween's a fun name for sure. Um, yeah, and uh, I was looking at just reading his description, and it's like he's associated with like neo psychedelia or like psychedelia, psychedelic rock. I said that three times. Um, and like avant garde kind of music. And he's got sideburns, so you know it's legit. Okay, yeah, uh, anybody who willingly has <laughs> just sideburns. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, there's definitely, like, a common ancestor with the flaming lips in this version. Sure, yeah. Uh, there's, like, a little bit of that there, like, uh, that I heard anyway. Yeah, I can definitely, you said, like, neo-psychedelic, and yeah. that kind of checks out for this. Yeah. I would say the production on this is pretty good. We get a lot, oh, yeah. at least there's a lot of it. Like we get this very sort of airy, maybe it is a Hammond organ it kicks off with there as a shout out to the original. Might as well. Be. Higher end there. Yeah, you get, you get that organ, mm-hmm. kind of a low bass. The drums kind of got this like, like groove going on. Yeah, almost like a wood blocky quality to the to the hits too. Yeah, I think it's got that like click, like side hit kind of thing. Yeah, that might be it. Or hit the rim. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, just like a lot of uh, echoes. Yeah. Uh, very echoey, this version. Lots of stuff. Um, vocals. The vocals are very yeah, echoey and kind of like monotone. Very flat. Yeah, I thought they, they did have a little di- bit of a detached sounding. Not as much as I felt from Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, but they had a bit of that. Uh, the other thing this song has, uh, after the verse, they'll just like play some like crowd noises for a bit. Which I guess it's... Kind of happens that they're like laughing on the bus, or like it's yeah. laughing on the bus, maybe, or just like whatever. The sound of being in a place. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you get yeah. bits like that. I found even with changeups like that, I found this version to just be a little, I think, flat in general. It's a lot more consistent throughout. Like you don't mm-hmm. like it. I think it builds a bit, but like you don't even really notice it, just because it kind of builds this wall of sound. Yeah, and then maintains it a lot. So there's not as much of that like introducing an element especially that you get in the original where it's like there's not a lot there and then they're sort of swapping things out and and mm-hmm. uh, as it goes so yeah we kind of lose the hook of like because the original is like one it's a storyteller two the the music the composition is actually interesting enough to keep you engaged even without the story and the two combine together very well yeah Whereas here, the lyrics are a bit detached. The changes on the instruments are pretty subtle. It's a lot of just kind of zoning out. This song's basically all staring out the window of the bus. Yeah, which I I kind of liked that. It's not doesn't have all the same stuff, but I definitely did kind of zone out on it. <laughs> yeah. And like just went along with it. So it kind of lulled me into that. Um, and it's also slow. I mean, it's it's five yeah, minutes and 16 it's over seconds five minutes so it's fairly long um but yeah i mean maybe this is the the crank up the vibes version yeah but also is, we vibed more out more like vibe like yeah single vibe. vibe yeah um yeah well, i thought it talk was about thought coming it was a right. lot at the end all come <laughs> talk about coming a lot. lot i mean that's all this song right? come all come <laughs> It's, yeah, I think, like, well-produced. I think it's just so far off the mark for what I, I kind of need from this song. And that it feels too detached. I need some emotional attachment here, which is, I think, part yeah. of what makes the original work. No, I think that's fair. I think that's fair. Um, but you know what I'm always emotionally attached to, Alex, is jazz. Jazz, baby. 
And that's why we're talking about Claudio Chiara in 2022. So we bought a pack of cigarettes And Mrs. Wagner pies And walked off to look for America Yeah, and Barbara Raimondi, Fabio Gorlier, or possibly Gorlier, and Alessandro... Mayor, Mayor, you know, there you go. Okay, so I really only looked up Claudio Chiara, who's a jazz guy. Yeah, saxophone player. Yes, and I I didn't look up like who's the band leader, but he's got top billing, so often that means that. I think he's the Um, guy. Barbara's the singer. Fabio, I think, is a piano player. Okay, and I'm pretty sure Alessandro is a bass player. Okay, that that checks out. Yeah, yeah, it's a big band. I say big band, not big band. It's, it's like a normal, it's like a jazz quartet. A jazz quartet doing 11 songs of peace and love. Peace and love. Which is, uh, this song is of peace and love, I guess. Uh, love. <laughs> I guess just because it was in the 60s. It is yeah. for sure love. Um, This version is jazzy. It makes sense. Like we said, the original has some jazz roots in it. It's like yeah. some jazz concepts. And this one definitely plays in that lower, softer range of jazz where it feels a little more intimate yeah for sure and they do create that that feeling pretty well Mm -hmm. um and also like this one is the same length as the original but they still have like a solo in there yeah saxophone solo we get yeah smooth like the tone on that saxophone is so warm it's really interesting it sounds Mm. like there's like a piece of paper on it or something because it sounds like something's like flapping in the wind oh yeah something just like lightly vibrating yeah there's just like like an extra little like rasp on it and i don't know how you create that sound but sounds good dog yeah it sounds cool um yeah it's funny Uh, like like rice paper or something like i don't know Almost yeah. like like whatever you put in a kazoo, <laughs> kind of. Right, <laughs> but, yeah. But on a on a saxophone, I don't know for sure. It's crinkly. Yeah, it's a bit crinkly, and it like maybe softens the like the blow of it a bit. Like it can't hit out of the hole as hard because there's a little like sheet you have of to play softer because you'll yeah you'll just make a <laughs> if you don't yeah something like that yeah uh so interesting um. Other than that, like jazz piano chords, really doing jazz chords, but also the progression is like very similar to the like humming melody. In the yeah, original. it's a very nice melody. So it is. Yeah, sounds good. Um, Barbara, yeah, like the good singer. Barbara, she's there. She's a good singer. Know, yeah, very gentle. Yeah. And yeah, we get that sense of intimacy, but we do kind of lose some of that lightness. Like her saying, like I said, be careful as bow ties early camera is like she's saying that because it's the line in the song, not because it's a fun memory they had. Oh, so you don't think that line reads all that well? I don't think it read as well for me anyway. Yeah, fair enough. Um, this one, I, it felt very like it's, it's nice. Mm-hmm. It feels very straightforward as far as jazz goes. For sure, yeah. Um, but I, you know, it would be nice to see performed or. Yeah, yeah I'm here for the sax on this one because if we look yeah, at the piano 100%. and the bass, they're kind of just holding down the rhythm and the melody. They're just kind of like there, so you have the structure of a song. Yeah, and the sax actually has like, oh, that's an interesting sound. Like I saxophones don't usually quite do that. So. Yeah. Yeah. 
See, I would say that is the unique attribute here. Mm-hmm. But we got to talk about our final verdicts, Alex. Uh, we got three uh, categories uh, today. Alex. Uh, 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 Alex. Uh, 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 Alex. Um, we got three categories today. The worst version, the best version, and making a return, the most American version. American version. Making a return. It was in our I'm Afraid of Americans episode. Come oh, on, yeah, Alex. we just did that. <laughs> Come on, Alex. We just did that. Uh, Alex, what's the worst version of this? What's the worst version of this? I mean, I'm, I'm going to stick with yes. That's the one that I have the most history with, and I really don't like it. <laughs> Uh, so they're getting worse version. That's fair. Absolutely fair. And I think you've made your case pretty strongly there. I don't think they're the worst version of this. That said, like some of these versions are a bit middling. I might, I might, I'm going to give it to Kramer. It was too long. It didn't really hit on any aspect of the song that works for me. It just was kind of like, what if America was just vibes? Turns out maybe you need more than that. Vibe. Don't forget. Single Single vibe. What if America just vibe? Um, Alex, what's the best version, though? Best version? I mean, if there was a... I feel like these covers aren't super-duper strong. Mm. If there was, like, a strong cover, I wouldn't necessarily do this. Right. Because I like the David Bowie version. Mm Mm-hmm. But a really good cover could for sure usurp that. I'm going to give it to David Bowie. Yeah. It's the one I like the most. But I also feel like these covers didn't necessarily bring their A game. Yeah, the, the, the David didn't. Bowie one is the only one I listen to and go, wow. Like, yeah. That is like a great way to perform that song. Yeah, it's, absolutely. Like, it's such a cool thing to do, uh, to just, you know, sit on the stage and like, so you, it feels more intimate. You know, you're literally mm-hmm. sitting down with David Bowie. Um and the context around it is a big part of it. So, like you said, maybe it's not as strong without that context, but we do have the context. So, yeah, uh, I really like it. Yeah, I think it's phenomenal. I agree with you there. Alex, which one's the most American? Though? Most American? I mean, the obvious answer is the two times America. <laughs> America <laughs> cover America. of America. Because that's, as, America. that's more as twice as America as any of the other ones. That's true. Um, and I'll just keep going with that. <laughs> I'll, I'll take it. I'm going to go with yes. <laughs> Yes, it, it relies on the the American instinct to find a hit and be like, "What if we made this bigger and longer and also worse?" Yeah, that's um, that's very funny coming from an English progressive rock band. <laughs> well, <laughs> Most American version. Got a weird connection with Britain. English dudes. Um, no, I agree though. <laughs> that's it. That's our final verdicts. You got a similar opinion, different opinion. Want to talk to us about a version we didn't talk about? Which there's there's a few. Hit us up on the app formerly known as Twitter. Hashtag CoverMePod at Jake DeCressy at some Alex Wise guys. Send us your comments, questions, concerns, suggestions for future episodes. You can also email those to us at CoverMePod at gmail.com. Talk to us there. Uh, be sure to rate and review us. We are on Apple Podcasts, YouTube Music, Amazon Podcasts, even Spotify still. Um, still there, still hanging out, but be sure to tell your friends, family, neighbors about us. More importantly, get us on the apps there, get them to the apps where we're on. We're already on the apps. I don't need you to get us on the apps, <laughs> but what get you can us really do on the week, apps, but get us get, on the apps, get on the apps and then get us. Yeah. Yeah. Start an app, <laughs> hit us up, get us on the app. We'll do it. But really, if you want to market us this week, what you can do is you can take this episode of cover me specifically this one, send it to Paul Simon and see if he likes it. See if he likes it. If he said, ask him, just be like, do you like this version? And uh, do you like this, this podcast? If he says yes, 
then we can put it on the Wikipedia page, and that's huge for marketing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, put it on the Wikipedia page. Don't send it to Art Garfunkel. I don't think he's going to like it. Uh, just don't play him the first like 20 minutes of the episode. <laughs> <laughs> That's what you guys can do this week. That does it for today's episode of Cover Me. And as we always say on Cover Me, Cover Me seems like a dream to me now.